All right. So I think first things first, we need to congratulate Miriam for winning in football yesterday because England um, <laughs> has done an amazing job. Even though, um, I want this for the record, there is controversy about it now. Apparently, the British team used a laser pointer to distract the Danish goalkeeper during the penalty the, kick. The defense. So, so it wouldn't surprise one. me if England gets disqualified. So, Are you serious? Um, I haven't yeah. heard of that. Wow. So maybe, maybe, <laughs> it would be funny if football is not coming home. But <laughs> anyways, um, it wouldn't surprise me. And then congratulations to Miriam as well, because since last time we spoke, she has been promoted. Thank you and very much. And now she is the, let me read this long title. I mean, <laughs> that, that's, that title is a handful, yeah, to be honest. So now she's the strategic programs leader, developer and ecosystem of Europe. Yeah. So what do you do now in your new function, Miriam? What do you exactly look after? So before um, June 1st, I was working in the Dach area, so the German-speaking region, Germany, Austria, and Switzerland, Dach for short. And yeah, since a month and a bit, I've been working on a European level. So what do I do? I'm My background's in marketing and communications, but for the last three years, I've been working in developer advocacy and I work at IBM. So IBM developers like my brand. Um, yeah, so we have teams of developer advocates and we're also working really closely with our partner ecosystem. So working with companies and their developers and it's really exciting because what we were doing before on our own kind of was like lots of events and activities for developers. And now with our partner ecosystem, it's a lot more opportunities to collaborate with other people, with other companies and organizations. So there's workshops we do together with partners and even partners hosting workshops about our technology, which is amazing. So yeah, it's really exciting. So, um, and we did speak one time a little bit briefly about it, um, about the technologies and all of these things. But before we get into that, we should get a little bit more, we should, well, we should probably try to get to know you a little bit more as well, especially for the listeners. So, um, so everybody, you should never ask somebody their age, but um, let's start here. Uh, what was your first mobile phone? Oh, yeah. Uh, I had to Google it. It was a Motorola um sliver silver i'm not sure how to pronounce sliver, it silver silver um, okay is it like the razor the one which was foldable to yes around that time exactly it was it was really uh i still found i found some photos on a hard drive of the photo like from the tiny little pixely camera but um yeah, yeah but back then we thought we, we were the absolute bowlers i mean when the first yes. color camera pictures came out i remember i had a siemens and you had to buy the camera separate and you would like it that was like it was like the phone was like i don't know 400 deutschmark or 500 deutschmark the camera was <laughs> 299 what? and you would just like dock it on on the bottom and it was like you were the absolute and i think it had 1.2 megapixels or something mm -hmm. like this or probably not even and then the more advanced version came in, which had in the flash, which was in, like, but f f I mean, I think it's quite funny because phone developers, they must be like, a, it's just like, oh, what are we going to add next year? Oh, let's just add a flash to the camera. Why don't you add a flash <laughs> at the beginning already? It's just a money-making scheme, isn't it? But okay, so that's the phone. And what about your first computer? Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm not the... Uh... 
typical techie perhaps um we had we had um, my childhood was filled with computers we didn't have a tv growing up uh, that was a decision from my parents um and so i spent a lot of time on the computer we had like two phone lines one for the internet and one for phone calls um so yeah a lot of time on the computer i can't remember what the computer was it was this huge thing like enormous screen in all dimensions um but it was it was definitely running like windows 95 nine, something like that and is that what got you interested to go into tech yeah or did you just perhaps i mean so i was always comfortable with computers and i remember sitting in it lessons like at, at school in england and one one of my fellow students was pressing like a um what is it called the caps lock key every time he would want a capital letter and then pressing it off again and i i just couldn't believe he was doing that and i i was just like in shock like what what are you doing um so i i i think yeah that that showed me okay i'm spending a lot of time on on computers for for my age but uh yeah i i first got into it when i did internships um, I did a year abroad as part of my bachelor degree, and that's that's how I landed in tech. I ended up in IT departments of the automotive industry, which was very fascinating uh, step into the industry. And yeah, to be honest, I've I've stayed ever since. <laughs> um, what was some of the cool stuff you had to do during your um, internship or apprenticeship or um, I don't know how how would you call it? When you were with Volkswagen, what was sort of the was some of the cool stuff you got in touch with during that time? So I worked for Volkswagen for a couple of months, and then I worked for Seat. And there were there were really cool projects in in both places. Um, with regards to technology in Seat, we were testing out all sorts of things for the warehouse technology um, in Spanish. The uh, Gerät, the device. Yes, device? <laughs> <laughs> the device was called Pistola, which I thought was hilarious. It was like a, a scanner for the Pistola. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Miriam, do you bring the? Uh, sorry, it's not to be racist <laughs> against Spaniards, but hey, Miriam, is the Pistola working? <laughs> so we were giving training to to employees how to use these these um, new devices. Pistolas. Yeah, and. <laughs> We were also like experimenting with RFID, so barcodes, and also at one point we were looking at Google Glass. So it was, it was really fascinating, like seeing how all these different technologies can make like work a little bit more like into the future and work a little easier for, for the employees. Yeah. So you got into tech via the automotive industry, but what about the automotive industry uh, attracted you? Like you were doing project management, I think, um, seeing at your LinkedIn profile. Um, <laughs> but what, 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 what did attract you? Sorry for being stereotypical here, but a young woman to work with cars and pistolas and all that <laughs> stuff. I mean, it's, 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 uh, I think we see more, than, more and more nowadays, um, you know, um, sectors opening up and so, but still, kind of was it 
how did you lift that? Was it like well received by your peers? How how did your parents react to it? What did yourself make out of? I'm working for Volkswagen and Seat now. This is so. so how how did that feel and? So there's there's a lot of questions. Um, the how I ended up working for Volkswagen um, was yeah part of my bachelor's degree in England was the this year abroad and year in industry. So I, I studied international business and modern languages. And the great thing about my course was that you could study I don't know accounting in Spanish and marketing in German. So I really loved that experience and. Yeah, with the year abroad, that was a way to get some more experience in the country where those in countries where those languages are spoken. So um, yeah, I was in in Volkswagen. I was hired mainly for my language speaking skills. They usually only for that role hired people in South America, but because I spoke Spanish, they thought it's a fit, and they thought it was a bonus. They didn't have to teach me German, <laughs> and. So that was that was mainly translation at the start and yeah project management and yeah languages they they still open doors right definitely definitely I'm I'm a really passionate about uh, learning languages and speaking foreign languages um I love it I mean it's a huge part of my life and your lives <laughs> and how I yeah. how I ended up in tech maybe the reactions uh, my brother works in tech in the UK and he thought it was hilarious that I was working in the IT department like me who's studying languages and business and him who's been way more technical uh for longer but yeah my parents were really supportive and uh came and visited and yeah there were, I, I think it was it was mostly positive I mean for my first work experience like in the big world uh it was yeah shockingly male dominated i mean you've got automotive and then tech <laughs> the subsection but um I, i never really saw it as as a problem it was always like inclusive environments for me Okay, so what got you into IBM then? So the I mean, honest IBM answer, is, I would say, one of the magic circle tech firms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the, the honest answer is that I, I wanted after I finished my bachelor's, I really wanted to continue living abroad, and also I didn't want to jump into some grad job and then. Stayed there until I retire, kind of thing. I wanted to keep learning, so I, I definitely wanted to stay in the education side of things a bit longer. And in Germany, as you know, there's obviously these programs which exist for people like that <laughs> who want to stay in education and um, who want to work and study at the same time. And that for me was the perfect combination. I, yeah jumped at the opportunity to move to Berlin and work and study. So I did my master's with IBM uh, first two years and 
It was in IT management and I wrote my thesis on women in tech and diversity. And then, yeah, so the youth ambassador, so my day job when I wasn't studying on the evenings and weekends <laughs> was working with the team who were establishing the global center for Watson Internet of Things. So it was the first time IBM made a headquarters for a um, business unit outside of the US. So this was huge with it being in Europe, in Germany, in Munich, and yeah, having having that interdisciplinary team to set up and open this building. I mean, um, if you're familiar with Munich, it's on the way from the airport into the town center. It's these two towers, the highlight towers, and IBM's. It's got a big fat logo on there. IBM's in the the tall tower, and there's a little bridge as well between the towers, so you can walk across the bridge between the two buildings. It's amazing, great view of Munich, and sometimes you can see the mountains as well on the horizon. So, so sometimes in the evening you are there with your laptop and and work from there because you enjoy the nice view, or uh, yes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that was incredible. So I, I spent two years, yeah, working with with the teams in Munich and the yeah the view. I mean, I still speak and hear from colleagues working there. And you've got one side the city and the mountains, and then then the other side the Allianz Arena. So for the football fans, there's something for everyone. <laughs> cool. So um, you basically, as I understand, you won a contest to get this uh, master, uh, how, how, you get, uh, how do you call it, um, not internship, like uh, a stipendium uh, from IBM, um, right? It's like oh. duale studium, but nebenberufliches studium, so on the weekends. Ah, yeah, and... okay, so working student, yeah. Yeah. Basically, okay. Okay, so and, and and how did you feel? I mean, it's IBM. It's a big company. I myself, I'll be honest, I'm I'm not a techie myself. Um, so if I had applied for this, I had the courage to apply for this. I would be like freaking out. I would I would think, oh my god, I'm never going to be smart enough, good enough. Um, you know, IBM is such a big firm. They have the best developers in the world. Now I'm becoming one of them. How did that feel to you? What was, did you all, all, I mean, you know, obviously I'm making reference to, uh, I think they call it the imposter syndrome. Ah, so I would have had that. What, what would you, what, how did that feel for you? So I did, I did do several like interviews and the, the interview process was, was, I, I, I enjoyed it to be honest. Like I was flown out to Berlin and there was different sort of, uh scenarios that you do and and like i i felt very comfortable talking with with the the hiring manager and um the colleague from hr with that so like from the start i felt comfortable and like i could be authentic i could be myself which i think is is crucial um to to being to being able to bring yourself your full self to work and mm -hmm. yeah at, at the time um my yeah my hiring manager she um yeah had a huge team and i i i felt felt from from the get-go really comfortable working in the team um and if interestingly enough back to um the diversity at the time the germany 
general manager was also a woman and the IBM worldwide CEO was also a woman. So for me, it felt like there's women everywhere in leadership positions. Like, what's this problem in tech? I don't know what anyone's talking about. Um, and hmm. it, it, it did really feel like a very supportive uh, environment. And I, I, I recognize my privilege. I got this opportunity to become a youth ambassador a couple of months in. And mm -hmm. the idea of that role was to inform the people creating this, this new global center to, to inform them with a younger perspective. A, we were a diverse group of youth ambassadors and it was an amazing opportunity to give our input that was then actually implemented. So we had one idea. Uh, we, we wanted IOT, the letters that you could walk through in the cafe. And it's there, mm -hmm. it's in the cafe. You can walk through this O, this huge O. <laughs> and <laughs> ideas like that. I mean, we, we helped with the design of the office, the chairs or the carpet colors. I mean, um, mm -hmm. when I met my partner, he was uh, saying like, what are you doing in Munich? And I'd be flying there for a design thinking workshop and picking out carpet colors. I mean, it's not exactly the typical tech job and sorting out interior design um but yeah it was an amazing project to be a part of and mm -hmm. um then when when my master came to a close I'd, I'd sort of continued after the opening of the center to work with the marketing and comms team and after my master's finished i got the developer advocacy job and um here in berlin started focusing on the community here and tech so from yeah i my my whole experience was was pretty pretty rosy to be honest yeah that sounds that sounds that sounds funny because or that's funny because um you say you you thought like oh what's this problem with women in tech or d d and y uh, d and i in tech uh because you were basically uh, taken in charge by by leaders uh, women female leaders already um what's this what's what's the status now how do you think about this problem what do you is it still like oh there's no it's okay we know we don't have so much to do we just need to make sure that there are more miriams um joining companies like ibms yes or uh, is there still something that needs to change I'm, I'm very passionate about diversity and inclusion. And I, I must say, since moving to the developer space, uh, it, it has changed a little. I mean, at conferences and meetups, that's, that's what my focus has been the last couple of years. You are very much the, as, as a woman or as not a non-white cis male, the outlier or uh, anomaly. But uh, I'm, I'm also making sure I, I give something back. So in in my free time, so outside of IBM, I'm also in the Women Who Code community here in Berlin, and I mm -hmm. want to support other women who want to get into technology or who are and want to improve their skills. So I, I see that as I, I want to make a difference and not just in my job, but also, and not just in IBM, but also like outside, uh, the IBM world outside Big Blue. <laughs> okay, so w what's um, 
What what some of the role models uh, you you already mentioned uh, your your bosses? Uh, what some of the role models you think uh, shaped your experience, if you have any, uh, female or male, right? Um, can can, be, can still be both. I fear. So, what some of the persons you want to give like a shout out to? There are so many. It's really hard to choose. <laughs> okay, you don't you don't necessarily need to sell, tell, tell their names if you don't if you don't want to discriminate against. Uh, I mean, some. yeah, being working at IBM, I'm so privileged to be surrounded by so many f wonderful technical colleagues, and um, I mean, worldwide, being part of this uh, developer organization, I'm. Yeah, I'm blown away by by what's going on. I mean, we have we have we have such talent and expertise that it's 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 an honor to work with so many different people who are skilled in so many different areas. Um, yeah, I I would find it hard to pick out a few, to be honest. Um, mm. <laughs> I'm sorry, I put you on the spot. <laughs> you, you don't you don't necessarily need. I'll to, come uh, back but... with a long list. <laughs> Yeah, come back with a long list and we share it for for the for part two. Um, so, what some of you, let's talk about some some stuff that you do right now. So, what's a typical day look like? Do you do you do you write code still, or do you do you just do that to, you know, uh, uh, learn? And, but are mostly a, a manager role now, or how how does that work? And what are some of the goals you you have set yourself you want to achieve? So. As well as developer advocacy, one of the programs I'm involved in is our Call for Code program, and mm -hmm. that's something for for people. It's not an internal program; it's it's something for everyone. It's an all-round, year-round, always-on tech for good platform. So that's something where developers and problem solvers, so not just techies, innovators as well, anyone can participate who's who's interested. Um, and mm -hmm. the call for code is asking people to find solutions to some of the biggest world problems. And this year it's, it's climate change. Last year it was climate change too, but then we switched to a COVID, <laughs> uh, challenge. So it's a bit like mm -hmm. a hackathon, to be honest. Like, yeah, for that too. Yeah. <laughs> the global challenge is like running every year. We're in our fourth year now and. Uh, the, the way that it's different from a hackathon, I mean, you have the prize money as well, and you can have teams, you can join as an individual and find your teams. There's lots of ways. It is like a hackathon, like an idea wins. Mm -hmm. um, but the way it's it's different is the ideas at the end, the winning ideas are actually uh, implemented and the technology is like brought to life and brought to those cool. who need it. So. Yeah, it's the largest engagement of developers in history and I'm really excited to be part of it and make that that possible. So what does my day look like? Um, I had... Maybe first, what's yeah. some of the stuff that has been implemented like last year or what, what's the best? Who won the prize and how how was it implemented? So there's, there's, Were you in the committee as well? Uh, so... Choosing? I wasn't. Um, I'm supporting the developers who who apply or, yes and and we have right. an internal competition for the ibms and um i helped with that a little and but my focus is on on the competition the global competition where anyone can participate so in mm. in 2018 we had um a solution which helped 
re-establish technical infrastructures after the floods in Puerto Rico. And mm. in 2019, there was a solution where there were sensors for bomberos, um, firemen in Spain. Firemen, yeah. 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 <laughs> and so that was keeping them safe, like for, for, for wildfires, like with, with sensors on their um, uniforms, I guess, and, and keeping them equipped and safe to, to navigate the wildfires. Last mm -hmm. year, there was uh, several winners. So we had the, the climate change, then obviously the whole world turned upside down with COVID. Um, there was one which was about queuing safely, that you didn't have to stand in the queue physically. You could do it like via mobile rather than huh? have to stand in queues and have proximity to other people. Um, there, there, were, there were multiple winners and last year what they also introduced were European and let's say regional winners. I think that's, that's also changed the dynamics of the competition. It's not just one winner of the global oh. challenge. So it's a lot, a lot more, yeah, opportunity for people participating. And then, um, yeah, I, I thought it's, it's, it's a lovely way to, to make it, um, a little bit more local as well, having, having local winners. Excellent. Um, unfortunately, we, we don't have so much time left for for many more questions. Maybe Paul wants to add another one before we wrap it up. Yeah, I wanted to ask Miriam, what does she have? What, what would she advise for the future generations of, let's say, people that want to get into tech from all different backgrounds? What is her advice to them? It's funny. I I literally just recorded a video for my high school. They asked me to do um, a video for people interested in STEM, and um, I had yeah. They asked for one piece of advice too, but I gave I gave more than one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I I would definitely if if I was talking to my younger self, like I would I would tell myself be a bit braver. Um, it's I, I mean, my experience at at, at college was it, IT was just a thing guys took, but it doesn't have to be like that. And even if you join later, that's not a problem either. And I think the most important thing is if you find something you enjoy doing, do it. And that that would be my piece of advice. Cool. All right. Um, we... We actually have to wrap this up, I believe, right? <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I'm really sorry we couldn't cover your whole, uh, you know, working day from when you get your first coffee to when <laughs> you have your last meeting. But that's for part two. Um, and I would encourage people, if they would like to yeah. learn more and want to know more, please feel free to reach out to Miriam. Um, yes. She I was about to say the same thing, yeah. Uh, uh, let's, let's put some links maybe also in the description to to you know if you're interested in actually taking part in the next um call for code or hackathon or sounds good uh what's the next what's the next uh, uh call for code about do you i don't know what the theme will be for the next year's global challenge but there are spot challenges so we had one this year uh call for code for racial justice and making sure like technology is is creating progress in that area too so there's plenty mm. of ways to get involved i can assure you that <laughs> well if you're looking for the podcast that um, moves the tech world then um, 
you can count us in. Anyways, Miriam, thank you so much. Um, we wish you a great summer. And uh, hopefully it will be a summer full of joy and happiness. And uh, hopefully the world will return to some sort of normality like we used to know it. And um, mm. stay safe and all the best. And thanks for coming on the Uptown Punks. Thank, Thank you, you too. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for having Miriam. me. Thank you. <laughs>